Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar, and all that fills it. Let the field exult, and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for He comes. For He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, fill us with the joy of Psalm 96 and give us a clear-eyed vision of the reason for that joy, that you have sent your Son And that even though he has come once before, he is coming again. And when he comes, we and the world around us will be made new. We pray all of this in his name. Amen. You may be seated. One of my favorite parts of the Christmas season is hearing Christmas carols wherever I go. You can't hardly walk into Macy's these days without hearing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Or there was a guy next to me at HEB the other day humming along to Joy to the World as it was being broadcast over the speakers at the store. Now, on the same time, I've got to listen to Santa Baby and I want a hippopotamus for Christmas too, right? (laughs) So it's all part of the parcel. But we can't ignore the tremendous gift that this season brings. A decent part of the Western world is singing about Jesus and the salvation that God has worked on the earth. I wonder, though, how many of us, when we're bopping along to the music, actually are paying attention to all of the words. Because alongside those sweet melodies and ringing choruses that draw our attention to angels and shepherds, wise men and Bethlehem, well, there's also verses about sin and judgment, justice, and God's rule and God's reign. Psalm 96 seems to me an almost perfect Christmas carol. It's an astonishingly happy psalm. 
It depicts joy and rejoicing, and not just for the people of the world, but even the trees and the fields, the the mountains and the seas, they are all filled with joy and rejoicing. And what's the reason for the joy? Why is everything lifting up their voices in praise to God? Verse 13, he comes to judge the earth. The Lord will judge the world in righteousness. Did you ever think about that? Judgment is good news. Is that the way you think about God's judgment? Probably not. More often than not, you and I look at judgment as something that is negative. But God's rule and reign, God's judgment, why does it seem like a threat for us to avoid rather than a reason to rejoice? This morning, I want to ask two questions. First, just this basic issue. How can God's judgment be good news? How can God's judgment be good news? And then secondly, How do we prepare ourselves for that happy day? How do we prepare ourselves for that happy day? So first, how can God's judgment be good news? Well, God's judgment is good news if you're a victim. Miroslav Volf was a Croatian or is a Croatian theologian who was deeply influenced by the atrocities of the Bosnian War in the early 1990s. And he said, unfortunately, among Western Christians, we have developed this idea that God doesn't judge, that we should be nice because God's going to be nice. And he said, that idea that, that God won't judge can only be developed, he wrote, in the quiet peacefulness of the suburbs. But when you are face to face with people whose cities and villages have been plundered, burned and leveled to the ground, whose daughters and sisters have been raped, whose fathers and brothers have had their throats slit, he writes, those are the people who need the assurance that God is just and that he will hold the guilty accountable. Now maybe you have not suffered in exactly the same way, but as you sit here listening to me, you know the harm that you have endured won't ever be solved in this life. And so you long for God's judgment. You rejoice in the promise of verse 10 that he will judge the peoples with equity. Finally, someone will understand your pain. Finally, God will come to your defense. Judgment is good news if you've been hurt. God's judgment is also good news if you're a repentant sinner. God's judgment is good news if you're a repentant sinner. None of us live our lives free from sin. We sin against God, we sin against our neighbors, and sadly, we also sin against those people that God has given to us to love. Our friends and our family, 
our parents and our siblings, our spouses, our children, the people that God calls us to serve, the people that God calls us to submit to. Instead, we often use them and abuse them for our own ends. And when we stop and actually consider the sin that we commit against those that we are called to love, we should pause and dread God's judgment. But if you have repented of your sins, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as the one who has covered you with his righteousness, then the prospect of judgment is good news. Because it's an opportunity for the world to witness God's transformational work in you. On Judgment Day, repentant sinners will stand with the Apostle Paul, who before he was a preacher and a leader in the church, hauled Christians off to an uncertain end because of their witness to Jesus Christ. Repentant sinners will stand with King David, who even though he was a man after God's own heart, was guilty of adultery. He was guilty even of conspiring in the murder of one of his most loyal soldiers. We will stand with the Apostle Peter, who even though he was part of Jesus' inner ring, part of that close circle of friends, not only denied him on the night of his crucifixion, but then even later as a preacher denied the gospel and had to be called to account by, P by Paul. All of us as repentant sinners will stand before God redeemed and righteous in his sight. On judgment day, you will have proven God right. He can raise the dead. He can call into being things that don't yet exist. He can make his enemies his friends. He can justify the ungodly. You will be one of those works of God that demonstrate his glory among the nations, as verse 3 puts it. On that day, you will stand with Jesus as a joint heir glorified together with him. There's more. God's judgment is good news if you feel hopeless this morning. How many of you are sitting here today having convinced yourself that there's really no point? Maybe you even despair of your own life. And this season especially gets you down because you have believed the Instagram lie. Everybody else leads a meaningful life. Everybody else has someone to love. Everybody else is happy. I'm the one that's been left behind. The good news of God's judgment is that one day the world will be set right. The striking images of Psalm 96 are of all creation praising God. The sea roaring, the fields exulting, the trees singing. Well, Eric, I mean, that's nice, but it's just 
It's just hyperbole. It's just a metaphor. It's just the, the psalmist's imagination run wild. Is it? What if it's all true? What if this world is just a shadow of the world to come? What if this psalm gives us a tantalizing glimpse into the future? The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans that the world is groaning in bondage, waiting for redemption. And when that day of redemption comes, when that day of judgment comes, the strength and the beauty of the Lord, which right now can only be found in His sanctuary, verse 6, that strength and beauty of the Lord will touch the entire created sphere. As far as the curse is found. Give me one more. God's judgment is good news. It's good news if you're a victim. It's good news if you're a repentant sinner. It's good news if you're hopeless. And it's good news if you are hopeful. God's judgment is good news if you're hopeful. Are you working for justice in the world? Do you strive to save moms and dads and babies from the evil of abortion? Are you calling your friends and family out of sexual promiscuity and homosexuality and drug addiction? Why does this church, why does Redeemer Presbyterian Church feed the poor? Why do we start schools? Why do we help uh, uh, refugees? Why do we care for, for for the forgotten? Why do you and I fight against sin in our own lives? against gossip and division, backbiting and envy. We do all of this because we believe that God's government, His reign is actually good. It's actually good for us and it's good for our neighbors. You and I were made to live in perfect communion with God. And even though sin has has marred us and broken us and the whole rest of creation, life still works better when we can get as close as possible to the reality that Psalm 96 promises. But until that day, we live, we work, we hope, and we serve with knowledge that our labor is not in vain, that that day is coming. Now that's how God's judgment is good news. Let me ask you, are you prepared for that day? Are you prepared for that to be a day of joy and rejoicing? Well, you need to make sure that you can stand on that day of judgment. And the way that you make sure of that is by asking yourself a very simple question. Is Jesus the most important thing in your life? Or another way to ask that question is to look at verse 5. Are you worshiping other gods? If you've given ultimate meaning, if you've given ultimate worth to something other than God then his judgment against those other gods, well, that's not good news. 
Because on judgment day, you will be shown how worthless your gods are compared to the glory of the true God. And so to prepare for that day, you and I and all of us who struggle to bow the knee to God, who create gods in our own images almost every day, we must always be bowing the knee to King Jesus. Turning away from those gods and they, what they promise us. And instead, acknowledging the lordship of Jesus. Dedicating ourselves in wholehearted obedience to him. You see, folks, the only way that God's judgment is good news is if you know God's judgment against sin has been exhausted on the cross of Christ. And now his judgment of you isn't one of punishment, but is one of vindication. It's like the woman who never believes that she's beautiful. Until she is loved by the man who pours himself out for her every day. And she finally sees herself through his eyes. Or the orphan who never believes he is worth being loved until he is brought into a family that loves him through all of his tantrums. Until finally he melts in their arms knowing that he is safe, knowing that he is loved. The day of judgment for those who belong to God, the day of judgment for those who believe in Jesus Christ is a day of vindication. All that God says is true about you will be proven before the world. Now, folks, this is more than just a, a mental or a, a verbal acknowledgement of a doctrine. Yes, I believe that on the day of judgment I will be vindicated. Yes, I believe that God's judgment is good news. We have to work this stuff down deep in our hearts. The only way that we can prevent ourselves from periodically turning to those idols, the only way that we can strengthen ourselves to testify to our neighbors, we've got to work this down deep into our hearts. How does that work? How do you get something you say you believe down into the center of your soul so that it drives your behavior, so that it drives your choices, so that it drives your emotions? You ready? Here's a secret. You sing. You sing. Over and over in Psalm 96, we are commanded to sing. In fact, Psalm 96 joins many other places in the Bible where God's people are commanded to sing. Not only here in Psalm 96, but over and over in the Psalms and in the book of Ephesians and in the book of Colossians, the apostle Paul tells the church to sing to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's the way that you let the word of Christ dwell richly in your heart, Paul says. It seems like singing, more than just reading, more than just hearing, more even than just saying, 
Singing seems to have a unique ability to change our hearts. One of the early church fathers, St. Augustine, said this, I perceive that our minds are more devoutly and earnestly elevated into a flame of piety by holy words sung more than when they are not. Think about it. This is true of you. Think about a hard situation that you've been in. A time of real trial or temptation. How often does one of our hymns come to mind? Or maybe a song that you were taught as a child. I'll wager that you remember that way more than you remember a sermon that you heard. Here's the good news this morning. The Lord is coming to judge the earth. If that scares you, then today is the day for you to turn away from worthless idols and to bow the knee before the living God, the one who has created everything around us and is coming back to make it all new. Bow the knee to King Jesus and then sing. Sing with us. Sing with joy. Because as we sing, we fulfill the commands of this psalm to tell the world of God's salvation. For now, you and I have to sing not only our own parts, we also have to sing the parts of the fields and the floods, the rocks, the hills, and the plains. But mark my words, one day, one day all of creation will lift its voice in praise to its King. Let's pray. Father, make us new. Give us life in the place of our death. Unite us to Christ by faith. So that as we open our eyes and lift our heads, we're brought face to face, not with threat, but with promise. We're brought face to face, not just with the judge, but with a judge who is our father. Not just of a king, but a king who calls us his friends. Oh God, may that new place, may that new position, may that new reality awaken within us joy and singing. Not only so that we can give you the glory due your name, but so we can tell our friends and family so we can take our place with all of creation, singing to its King. Do that work for us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.